0: Welcome to the Biz Times MKE Podcast and another episode of the Weekly Debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, managing editor at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined on the weekly debrief, as always, by BizTimes editor Andrew Weiland. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: Quite good. It's a busy time of year for us, so we're just keeping uh,
0: keeping at it, but um yeah, having another good week. Absolutely a busy time of year. We're wrapping up uh, while we finished. Uh, Our second October issue last week, that'll be out on Monday. We're heading into our Giving Guide publication. We've got a bunch of events we'll talk about in a while. We've got uh, lots of things going on. So we'll dive right in with our Insider Story Spotlight to start us off. That's a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that are available only to BizTimes Insiders. If you are already an insider, thank you very much. We really do appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. If you're not an insider please do consider subscribing. The equivalent of $9 a month will get you access to all of the stories on our website, biztimes.com, discolored admission to some of our events, and other insider benefits. So, Andrew, what is your insider story spotlight this week?
1: Well, a big event, it's not our event, um, but a big event for the business community this week was the biannual meeting of the MMAC, Metropolitan Milwaukee uh, Association of Commerce the milwaukee chamber of commerce and uh you know provide their update to their members on everything that they're up to and with most significant news being that the leadership of the mac tim sheehy has been leading that organization for 30 years is now going to be stepping away and handing the baton to dale Koenga, a uh, former state legislator and uh, was hired by MMAC earlier this year to kind of be brought along, uh, begin that transition process. So they announced that he'll be starting up um, in the top post at MMAC in January. And so our, the insider story I'm highlighting is we had an extensive Q&A with Dale. Uh, Associate Editor Meredith Meyer sat down with him and had a very long in-depth conversation about his vision, for leading the MMAC and there's a lot of interesting stuff there about the important work that they do advocating for the business community, dealing with issues of importance for the business community and the approach he's going to take um, leading that effort going forward.
0: Yeah. Great chance to sit down with someone that's going to be leading this, uh, an important regional organization um, and kind of get his thoughts on where things are headed. There's a shorter version of this in the, the magazine issue coming out that I mentioned, but um, a chance to go much deeper here online. Uh, my insider story spotlight highlights uh, one I did this week, uh, the the monthly jobs report at the federal level. And then a couple of weeks later, we always get a state level uh, look at how jobs and wages are faring. So we had a story on uh, the unemployment trends in in Wisconsin, labor force participation, things like that, Uh, and then today dove into the latest on wages in Wisconsin, and wages are continuing to grow. Um, It's been four straight months now that the state has seen a 5% or more year-over-year increase in the average hourly wage, and September was 5.7%, so it's been... It was 5, it was 5.2, 5.2, and now uh, 5.7. So some strengthening in that growth there. Uh, for the third quarter, Wisconsin averaged a 5.3% uh, year-over-year increase. That ranks 16th in the country. Uh, so Wisconsin is definitely up there, at least, among the top half of states you know, in terms of wage growth. One interesting nuance that, that stood out to me in the data, the strongest sector for wage growth in the state is manufacturing. Which, on the surface, seems like a good thing for a state uh, where manufacturing makes up a lot of the jobs and a lot of the economic activity. Um, for that sector, to be able to be, you know, paying workers more. Um, the, I guess, the the nuance there is that the average wage for production workers is not growing nearly as fast. The whole sector uh, grew nine point six percent year over year in September. Production workers. So just a 2.7% increase. And then you compound that with a decline in the average number of hours worked per week, which for September was 38.9. Uh, that's the first time the average production worker has worked less than 39 hours a week in Wisconsin since the depths of the pandemic. Think May 2020, right? When things are all shut down. Before that, you have to go back to 2010 to find a time when... There was that level, a lower level of hours per week. Uh, So it adds all all that up and translates to a weekly average wage that was actually down 3% year over year for production workers in the state. Um, So an interesting bit of nuance. and, And as we think about where the economy might be at in the state to see manufacturing and it's not just a one month thing. This slowing trend in number of hours worked, slowing wage growth for production workers, um, kind of concerning that, you know, for a state that, like I said, relies so heavily on manufacturing for its economic growth.
1: Yeah, uh, concerning would be the word I would choose as well there on on the production worker impact in terms of missing out on the level of wage growth occurring in that sector and you know it makes you wonder if we're going to see more you know labor strife and 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 labor activity maybe maybe strikes um if if, if they feel like if if, if la- organized labor feels like they aren't getting um their fair share of the the growth of those businesses um but yeah it's 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 very important to keep an eye on wages a key economic indicator um, especially with all the inflation that's been seen in recent years and there's been a big question of are the wages keeping up with that so it's been interesting to follow that it's good to hear the state is in the top half uh in terms of wage growth that's just important if we're going to have a prosperous growing economy we've got to do well on wage growth but um yeah the the manufacturing situation is, is is very interesting and is gonna bear uh watching closely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One other interesting little detail, um one of the other sectors that is seeing a lot of strong growth, uh, and it's probably not a shock to many people, the leisure and hospitality sector uh averaged a seven point six percent year over year increase in the third quarter, including eight point one percent in September. That takes the average hourly wage for leisure and hospitality to nineteen dollars and seventy-three cents an hour in Wisconsin. If you back up to just the start of twenty twenty-one, that number was fifteen dollars and eighty-eight cents. So in the span of, you know, what is that uh twenty, twenty one months, um, a jump from fifteen eighty eight to nineteen seventy three for leisure and hospitality, um, it's a it's a big increase. Yeah, sure, sure is really noteworthy, and I, I think it's a
1: reflection of um, where the labor market's at the the, the lack of the lack of uh, of, a, of a workforce workforce pool, um, and you know I, I think that's where it shows up most acutely is you've got a leisure and a hospitality sector that's just struggling to find people and just can't. You know where the wages are traditionally pretty low um people have other choices people have other options you know even high school kids have other options and it's it's putting clearly putting upward pressure on on, on wages in that sector that's just the only uh they are having a hard time attracting people to to do the job
0: yeah well, we'll jump to our big story of the week in just a moment. But uh, before we do, I want to highlight some of our upcoming events that we have here at Biz Times. Starting November 2nd, we'll have our annual Nonprofit Excellence Awards. It uh, should be a great event recognizing the top corporate citizens and nonprofits making a difference to the community. We'll also have a Lifetime Achievement Award for Joe and Ellen Chakota. Uh, we're speaking about the MMAC All-Member Meeting. Uh, who were the, that's at the Milwaukee Symphony uh, building and, and at least two of the, the, uh, celebration areas are named for the Chakotas, um, for their, their gifts to the community. Uh, November 17th, we'll have our annual commercial real estate and development conference. That should be a great event. Andy Hunt from Marquette will be moderating a panel with a bunch of local real estate leaders. And we'll also hear from Spencer Levy, uh, an economic advisor at uh, firm CBRE. And then finally on November 30th, our annual Innovation Entrepreneurship Forum, where we'll have a Lifetime Achievement Award for Jerry Gendusa and a Regional Spirit Award uh, for Dean Amhouse of the Water Council. So if you're interested in learning anything more about any of those events, go to biztimes.com/slash annual dash events to learn more. Moving then to our big story of the week and news uh broke on uh, I believe that was Tuesday that UWM Washington County uh will be closing its campus by June of next year. Uh so this used to be the former UW Washington County. Um a few years back the UW colleges um were folded into larger four year uh campuses um and then now they've continued to you know face face pressures, and the um, Universities of Wisconsin President Jay Rothman uh, issued a directive for the system um, that end, ordered the ending of in-person instruction at the West Bend Campus and at UW-Oshkosh's Satellite Campus in Fond du Lac. Um, there's also kind of a, a directive to review the remaining two-year campuses, uh, which includes UWM, Waukesha County, uh, kind of looking at local officials and figure out what's the best use of these facilities to meet student and community needs. Uh, mm. Folks may know that uh, not too long ago, UW-Platteville's Richland Center campus um, uh, ceased uh, in-person degree, uh, degree in-person degree bearing instruction as of July, and is now actually going to fully close. Uh, so a continuing um Example of some of the challenges higher education is facing. We had news earlier this year that the Cardinal Stritch uh, University in Glendale and Fox Point would be closing, and uh, lots of pressure. Um, Carisboto actually explored all that in a recent cover story for us. Um, the headline: Survival One Hundred One, and just you know, universities and colleges across the region, across the country, really facing a lot of challenges. As the nature of education changes, the nature of what people want out of higher ed changes and demographics Uh, is playing a part in that, too. So uh, a lot of um, news there. Andrew, what uh, what stands out to you most with UWM Washington County going to be closing as of next year? Um, Well, you mentioned the
1: demographic issue. I think that's one to bring to people's attention and you also mentioned our September 25th cover story, which got into a lot of this, you know, we're seeing a lot of um, enrollment decline throughout higher education. Not every single school, of course, but it is extremely common. And what you have is a, um, this particular generation, Gen Z, I guess is what we call this particular generation now. You know, the the population of Gen Z is much smaller than the millennial generation. The millennial generation was a huge generation. I, I think it was even bigger than the, the baby boomer generation. Gen Z is more along the lines of I'm a Gen Xer. And, you know, so it's sort of like, these are my kids and, and, um, you know, our generation is smaller. Our generation is much smaller than the baby boomer generation. And then you had the millennials and now you have a much smaller generation in Gen Z, so I think the the you don't see a lot of population growth in the state. You have a smaller generation of you know college aged students in the state now, and then you know with the tuition issue, you know high tuition and you know a student loan crisis that has been talked about a lot. There are a lot of um, kids and families questioning the value of you know the the value proposition of higher education, just the, the, the high cost of it. And, you know, uh, higher education isn't necessarily for everybody or there are other options. There's, you know, going to a technical college, um, there are different ways to, to begin your career. So considering all that, there's just a lot of stress coming at, um, you know, colleges and universities and, and we are seeing enrollment decline and some of them, are not surviving. I mean, it was shocked shock to hear Cardinal Stritch uh, this year decide that they were done, that they were ending, they, they're, they're, they were shutting down. Um, but then when you heard about more details about where their enrollment was at, you could understand that it was not a sustainable situation with their level of enrollment. Um, we've seen some big drops also at some of these UW colleges. Um, again, not all of them. But some of them have had significant declines, and you know, there, there, we may, we may see more of these instances uh, occurring. It's going to be very interesting to see how how it plays out uh, over time, and you know, what direction the University of Wisconsin system and other colleges and universities take to really weather the the storm. It's a tumultuous time for higher education
0: right now. Yeah, UWM Washington County went from seven hundred and forty four students in twenty eighteen down to three hundred and thirty two uh in twenty twenty three. So it's a fifty five percent drop. Wow. Um over just a kind of a five year period. Uh so that, that almost goes beyond just, you know, any demographic trends um and Yeah, I mean it was a COVID hit. And then, you know, I think some have recovered from that, but some haven't. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, just this changing value placed on higher ed or changing value proposition. And even, you know, where these two-year schools may have been the more affordable path in to higher education, right? The idea that you would go to a local, you know, community college type situation to get some general education classes out of the way before going to a four-year, you know, could work and could be the more affordable option. Um, But people are also just reconsidering, you know, more that we probably have had a a rebalancing of the idea that, you know, college isn't for everyone. And, you know, if you're not someone who wants to be in a classroom um, or in a field where a, a college degree is necessary, if you want to be working with your hands in, manufacturing or construction or something like that, then by all means, go to a technical college and, you know, prepare yourself for a career that way. Um, and you think about, I mean, the, the access to information through, you know, you have just YouTube, Google, um, anything like that. People can, you know, find and learn things in a lot different ways than they used to. Uh, so it's a, you know, an evolving piece there as well. Uh, and so, like you said, the, the universities and colleges are going to have to evolve and adapt and innovate, figure out new ways of tackling things. We saw Mount Mary um, earlier this year kind of announce a shift to be more, you know, technology and, and STEM oriented in their instruction. Um, my alma mater, Carroll University, has gone through a shift over the last number of years, becoming, you know, as traditionally known as a liberal arts school. And that's still there, but it's much more a school focused on business uh, programs and nursing and science-related fields and things like that. I can recall even, you know, it's more than a decade ago now, um, you know, there's grumbling from uh, liberal arts types teachers about, you know, how the university was shifting. And uh, I I think that you definitely need to have that liberal arts underpinning. There's a value in that, but, you know, you also have to go where... Where the demand is right, if you're for like like you would for any business, um, and follow that and kind of bring your approach to that table. So, uh, definitely an interesting time for the higher education landscape, and it's not just a southeastern Wisconsin thing; it's a it's a national thing. Uh, but it will be continue to play out over the coming years.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's important for the business community to keep keep an eye on all of this, of
0: course, because. You know, we're
1: at, we're at a time where we, we hear again 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 from our audience of, of business owners and business leaders that their biggest challenge is finding the people that they need to run and grow their business. So, I mean, the higher education system is the talent pipeline for the state's economy and the state's business community. And so to the extent that there's, there are challenges and, 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 and issues there, is something that, you know, business leaders should keep an eye on and be aware of. And in some cases, they will be sought to help solve the problems. I know there are, you see fundraising campaigns going on. Um, you know, Carol has a $100 million fundraising campaign. Carthage has a $100 million fundraising campaign. Um, there are, there's going to be a push for additional financial resources to help uh keep these institutions going. And that's not colleges and universities. with fundraising campaigns is, is, is nothing new. Um, but certainly I think there's going to be more scrutiny a- on what they're doing because they are, they're very much challenged and in very much in some cases uh, fighting to survive.
0: Yeah. One thing for, I guess both business and higher ed to consider is kind of what know you know how how might we move away from that you know the the bachelor's degree um, as kind of the the ticket in the entry point I mean a lot you hear people up, you know uh, companies dropping their you know uh, degree requirements in the hiring process um, and kind of you see more and more kind of micro credentialing type things and um, part of it is technology keeps racing ahead right I and mean, you can only learn so much in a four-year period. You can learn how to learn, but, you know, technology keeps racing ahead and people have to be you know, the education term, lifelong learners, um, you know, who knows where AI is going to take us over the next decade. Yeah, uh, And so, but being, you know, companies being flexible and in terms of what kind of credentialing they're looking for and universities being flexible in terms of what kind of credentialing they're delivering, probably a key, key piece to sort out, um, uh, As much as, you know, the four years on campus um, kind of being a a traditional way of looking at things, it's probably got a a ticking clock on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a ticking clock on our podcast, um, (laughs) so that will do it for this week on the Biz Times MKE podcast. Thanks for joining me as always, Andrew. You bet.
1: This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE Podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.